Blog Talk Radio. to Mama's Pearls. I'm your hostess, Cynthia, and that, my friends, was Mama's New Beat. That is the theme song for Mama's Pearls. I just love it. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much to my good friend, David Goldberg, who I basically just emailed and was like, hey, I need some bells and whistles for the show. How about a theme song? David happens to be a composer and a musician, and I've known him since my camp days at um, when I was, I think I met him around the same time I met Melissa. So in probably uh, a day, he came up with a tune. All he did was ask me, all right, so what do you want for it? So I want something like light, classical, kind of sounds like rain, and well, there you go, guys. It's the theme song for Mama's Pearls, and I just I just love it. I'm going to figure out how to, like, play it a little bit um, during this show, and we are shaping up to be the real McCoy here. So um hope you like it. would love to hear your feedback on it. Again, you can, um, if you have any comments directly for David Goldberg, you can go to his website at www.davidbgoldberg.com. Now, while we're on the topic of music, I was thinking that it would be a perfect time to segue into the world of entertainment and begin our discussions about the effects of entertainment in our lives and also the influence that it has on us as well as our children. So we're going to dive in today to talking about keeping in tune, which is the topic heading for today. And the pearl of the day is monkey see, undo. Before we get into that, though, we're going to chat a little bit about last week. Last week, I had my mom on. The topic was, and the blog topic was Master Mom, and the pearl of the week was perfectly imperfect. Now, um, my next step now that I have a theme song and shaping up like a, a real McCoy station and show here is to have a sound check and fix out my, my sounding quirks. Um, the sound for the music is perfect, but I understand that there's some issues, you know, with how the technical sound is coming across. And when people were trying to listen to the show in the archives, my voice was loud and a little staticky and my mom's voice was really low. So I'm not 100% sure how to deal with that yet. I'm working on it. I've asked some people to help me figure it out, and I've gotten all sorts of um, feedback uh, involving I need some foamy ball thing and a microphone and all that kind of stuff. And just to give you a little bit of a semblance of how things work when you do a show on Blog Talk Radio, you can just call in by the phone and you're on your show. Like, for example, I just pick up my phone, dial a number, I have my little pin number, and I go on and there I am. Boom, my show. I don't know anything about hooking up mics. I'm not technically savvy. I don't care to be. Um, so I'm going to tackle that next. 
first was in the line of entertainment. Um, the beauty about not being fixed to a recording studio is that I can do the show remotely, um, and it kind of goes with my mobile office lifestyle. Like, literally, wherever I go and I have a laptop, Internet connection, and phone, I'm, I can do the show, and I can do my, my, my work and my regular day job. And that's how I like it. So um, my day job in, involves the topic of entertainment, and um, again, we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but because a lot of people missed some of the, the juice of what we had on last week with my mom was, I just want to fill you in on that, was um, it was a great conversation. My mom is an amazing, amazing person. She's an amazing parent. She's, a, she's been my spiritual guide and mentor all my life, and we really talked about how parenting is perfectly imperfect. And you can basically try to master every school in the book of parenting, and you're still going to mess up, much like Olympians. They can practice and practice and practice, and you still see them on the Olympics falling down and tripping up and, and not meeting their highest potential, which they know that they can and have done before. So um, in the end, it's really making sure that you are comfortable with that level of imperfection and keeping your head right about it. My mom was talking about um, how important it is to be creative in your parenting and adapt yourself to your child and your child's personality because your children must be much different than who you are, what you're used to, and also what you're used to from the parenting skills of your parents. And... Um, she was really talking about being, being um, again, being being creative, being a problem solver. She, um, <laughs> we talked a lot about her relationship with me and my propensities as a child. And um, almost so far, she was diplomatic enough not to say it outright, but she did kind of call me annoying. What she said was, is that I could have been perceived as annoying to any other parent who didn't have the patience and the ability to um, to work with my type of spirit as a child because I was consistently active, consistently curious, um, not overactive. We talked a lot about the labeling of children and how many children are mislabeled and kind of put into a box and not really um, handled or paid attention to. And that her labeling with me could have been a very disastrous thing in terms of building up a stereotype that I was annoying. Um, you might happen to agree with her, but I don't. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, in building up and being careful as a parent not to take your child down a, a pathway of stereotyping, it's a really, it's an everyday constant struggle and awareness that we have to have as parents in terms of what are the messages that we're giving them? How are they perceiving the message that we're giving them? It's one thing to say something. If it goes right over the, their heads, that's fine. But if they're really taking it in and you're watching them and you see like their whole soul deplete when you say something, pay attention to that and do something about it. The other thing that my mom and I were talking about is that it's never too late to change. It's never too late to adjust your skills when you pick up on something that, you're, that you know is a little bit off. You can course correct as you go, just like your children are going to do and just like you're teaching your children to do throughout this life. You're teaching your children to become masters in who they are throughout their lives. That's the only true masterful um, achievement we can have as beings is mastering ourselves. Everything else is extensions of that. But it's really about being who you are and being comfortable with that and living with the awareness of who you are. And my mom and I were really getting into how we can do that. And again, I apologize for the, the sound being off. It's kind of like if you crank, it, crank up the volume, you can, you can hear it. But I hope that you're, you're getting the gist of what we talked about because we really got into some um, really good, good stuff. And... Um, and I think that another main thing 
that we were talking about was, um, again, reinforcing the notions that parents have to take time for themselves and have to be comfortable in, in who they are and managing that aspect. And it's okay as a mom to be selfish and to keep your own guidance in check and not get lost into the identity and all-consuming world of what your kids can can um, your kids world can be and that again is a persistent theme here on mama's pearls i think it's so so important um if you wanted to call in today and chat with me and my special guest kathy pagano who's actually a recurring guest she's going to be tuning in a little bit later to give us an astrological update for this month the call-in number here is 347 Three two seven nine four five zero, and I just want to leave you with a, with um, a couple of thoughts again from last week, which is a quote from Ashno Rajneesh, where the moment a child is born, the mother is also born. The woman existed, but the mother never. A mother is something new. Now, ironically enough. Yesterday, when I was had a little bit of downtime, I was watching my my new favorite show, which is Modern Family, and I was catching up on an episode and was called On Guard, and it was hilarious. And it was about um, one of their sons, the sons on the show, Manny, was working on being a master at um, fencing. And the whole show was about mastery and the things we accomplished, and they were basically reiterating some stuff that I had that I had posted in the Master Mom blog last week about it takes 10,000 hours to basically become a master in everything. And that, again, led me to think of how intertwined and in tune we are with the world of entertainment and how entertainment really does model for us our lives and as well as provides us with escapism, reinforces some notions. And to me, I really personally feel like it is the most powerful medium to express and convey information. And we're moving into an age where information and entertainment are blending. So it's more really an age of infotainment than just an information age or an entertainment age. You'll see everything now is, is given in, you know, any type of information is given into an entertaining format, you know, here with the show and on my blog and on every other blog out there, you're getting great information and hopefully it's being brought to you in an entertaining way. <clears throat> now, the, the um, getting into the topic of this week, which is, again is in tune, the pearl of the day is monkey see, undo. And that's because not all the information that you have is something that you should be repeating. There's certain levels of exposures that we tolerate for ourselves and for children, and there's others that there's other forms of entertainment that we don't. And it's it's a balance. You can have filters on these on what's exposed to your kids and what's not. You can have parental controls. You can activate activate it that way. But I'm really more looking at like what's our connection with entertainment. And what is it about it that really hooks us in? When I was posting up, and I usually do this every week, especially when I'm prepping for a show, I'll, I'll post exploratory questions on Facebook, and I love getting the responses. So, you know, if you want to you get involved, just sign up on Facebook, find me. Um, Mama's Pearls is M-O-M-M-A-S. P-E-A-R-L-S, and there's the, the fan club, or you can um, friend request me, which is Cynthia Littman. And so the exploratory questions I was asking about entertainment, it was the first time in almost all the questions where I've gotten the most responses and probably the quickest, you know, rapid response fire on questions like which movies do you, do you quote the most? which um, movies or what do you watch when you're sick and you want to curl up on the couch and watch TV. And it's awesome to see the responses, and it's so amazing to me how right on the tip of our tongue our movie quotes, our television quotes, you know, it's kind of what, what we think of. Now, I also say this, I'm very much a media junkie. I'm, I'm totally ingrained in it. I probably watch way, way, way too much TV. And it's part of my, 
normal vernacular to be discussing, you know, or drawing from quotes from shows and using it in my daily conversations with people. Um, and not everyone is like that. I mean, you know, some people go to the extreme of never putting on the TV. When Melissa Van Rossum was on the TV, um, was on the show a couple of weeks ago, she was talking about how she has very limited and structured television time, and she really rarely puts on the television. And we were really talking about, and she was saying that she watches what she calls the media diet, the entertainment that we're fed, <coughs> feeding ourselves, excuse me, and, and our children. And I was like, the media diet. Huh. I am definitely on more of the gluttonous side of a media diet. I definitely haven't cut the carbs, although I don't really like like a lot of the cheesy foods. You know, sometimes I do with reality shows. Okay, I'll watch a little bit here and there, but that's not really my thing. I like, you know, I like some dramas. My husband likes all like the sci-fi stuff, so I've I've watched, you know, I watch all of that. Um, if you look on our DVR list, there's tons of shows that we watch for us, and then there's stuff that my my kids watch, and in there some of their stuff drives me nuts, and some of the stuff I really get why kids should watch, um, and I'm thinking of. You know, there's a couple of stations on there that are just directed for kids, and it's an ever-growing market. Um, it seems like every day another one of the major distribution brands and entertainment conglomerates are coming up with a television station and programming that's aimed for kids because it is such a huge market. And the beauty of when you create television programming for kids is that parents will buy any any piece of junk that is out there that has um, their favorite kids' characters and TV shows splash on it. So they've got you. <laughs> I mean, my entire house is, like, littered in Star Wars memorabilia. My son has Star Wars sheets. He has his Jedi lightsaber. He has his Star Wars blaster. My daughter thinks she's Princess Leia. And that's all well and good. You know, the the topic of consumerism and consumption entertainment, I'm not necessarily going to go into that except to say that if I ever did run into George Lucas, like especially if it's at a restaurant, I'm sending him over my check because we are going on the second generation here. His My husband is a huge Star Wars fan and went through that himself with his his family so um so yeah george i'm i'm sending you the check and so i'm not going to talk a little bit about the consumerism other to other to mention that there is this marketing component that is attached with with entertainment the whole thing behind transformers was um was i think it's I don't want to get the name wrong of which company it was, but, okay, the company that created Transformers and maybe Mattel, I don't know, not 100%, don't quote me, but whatever, you get the point. The company behind Transformers wanted to rebuild the brand, and that was a large, large reason why they went ahead and produced the movie in the first place. They produced this giant movie, which now catapulted them to the forefront of of sales. And, again, we've got Bumblebee, we've got Optimus Prime, we have all the Transformers around the house so there is that angle and I'm all for feeding the hand that feeds you but where is the line where is where the exposure is too much and these are the topics that I want to talk to today as well as the powerful connection that we have with entertainment Um, how how far is the line? I don't know. How much is too long, too much? I don't know. I think each parent and each person has to have their own radar on to it. Um, I personally, again, I'm a media junkie, and I kind of love it when my kids love movies. And when my husband and I saw Avatar, which I absolutely loved and felt it was just the most beautiful and spiritual film I've seen in a long time, and I'm, I'm among the same level as many other people who think and have the same reaction to um, the world of Pandora and Avatar that they did with Star Wars, that it was that big of, you know, the movie of this generation. And when I walked out, I just turned to him and I said, I really want to take Colby to see this. Now, my son is three and a half, and I looked at him and I'm like, 
huh, on one hand, I think he's going to totally jive with the whole the whole vibe of the world that is created in Avatar. I just think he would love it, the whole connection with nature and the whole spiritual aspects and the beautifulness and beautifulness, because that's a word, and the beauty of it and um, the creatures. I just think he would really love it. And he already knows it. When he sees the commercials on, on TV, he, he knows it. He goes Avatar. And both him and, and my, my two-year-old are going Avatar, Avatar. So they already know it, and they haven't even seen the, seen the film yet. But there are some questionable uh, content in Avatar that I don't know is so suitable for him, at least now. But I know when he sees it, he's going to absolutely love it. So the question of what's the appropriate age to expose your children to certain films, you know, you've got to go with your own kids. The, the um, Motion Picture Association of America, they definitely give guidelines, but ultimately it's up to to you as the parents to decide whether or not you're going to, you know, take those recommendations or, or not. And then you have to worry about enforcing that with your parents and the grandparents and aunts and uncles who uh, where they're hanging out at their house and all of a sudden they go, oh yeah, we took we took your son to see Avatar in 3D. He loved it, and he ate a whole boat of boat of popcorn and uh, a whole load of um, soda <laughs> and a whole load of soda and we had refills and he loves it and meanwhile we're at home you don't give your son popcorn you don't give him soda that's great mom that's great auntie Val I really appreciate that just a little inside joke with Val so it's it's a really tough balance because entertainment and content, it's all around us. It's something that we deal with on a practically day-to-day business. You have the advertisers and marketers constantly grabbing for our attention. There is amazing content out there. I mean, I can't imagine growing up without Cinderella, which was one of my favorite childhood stories, which I had my parents read to me every single day and night before I went to bed. And I totally knew if they were trying to skip over a page because they were tired and they read it 100 million times to me. didn't matter. They had to read it verbatim every single night. I loved Cinderella when the, when I saw the movie. It was just magic for me. And it's just something now that, like I see with my kids, I usually, they like to read um, Horton Hears a Who. And we get really into it and very animated, and they know the whole story. And they, too, are watching if I'm skipping pages. They, if I try and skip a page, they say, no, Mommy, go back. What happened? Where's this back? So <laughs> it's really cute and adorable. And I love the messages in it. I like the messages in Cinderella for me. And I look at um, the stories that my children are gravitating towards. I'm thrilled that they, they like some Dr. Seuss. So although not all of Dr. Seuss is, you know, walking the straight and straight straight pointy arrow. It's, it's, a little, it's a little wacky. The world of the Who's is a little wacky. So how do you describe that to your kids? How does that affect their their imaginary play? How does that affect their perception of the real quote real world? Um, you don't know, and that's that's the interesting thing as parents. You you just don't know. I do know, for one thing, that um, schools, there's a lot of mess that's happening in, in schools and um, with with violence and actions and that kind of thing. I'm totally not going to go off on a rant, but here's the point about that. Schools are issuing a zero-tolerance zero policy towards any sort of weapons being brought in school. Now, I... I just to back up, the one thing I didn't want my son to pick up and start playing with were guns, okay? I had such a really adverse reaction to that thought of my son ever picking up a toy gun and shooting it. Um, And it was the one thing that I really tried to keep out of the house. Um, Cue to my dad (laughs) going out and buying him a major Star Wars blaster. 
because my son loves Star Wars, and it was not necessarily my decision to expose him to the Star Wars franchise yet, but he just happened to stumble upon it on a night where my husband was in bed watching his DVR version of the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series, which, as I start watching, are truly engaging, and I get why he loves them, and I get why my son is into it. So now that's my son's thing. He loves Star Wars. He is a Jedi. <laughs> we go on hunts to shoot droids. Um, am I happy about it? Mixed. Mixed. I like that he loves something. Um, it should be at the level of quality of Star Wars. I don't like that it is, you know, has violent um, overtones. It's not even undertones. It's overtones. People get shot directly by, you know, laser beams. And my son is addicted and completely attached to his Star Wars blaster. He loves it. I mean, it comes with him. He has his blankie, he's got his giraffe, and his Star Wars blaster. So when he's going to bed, he needs his blankie, his giraffe, and his blaster. When he wakes up, he needs his blankie, his giraffe, and his blaster. When he wants to go off to school on the bus, guess what he wants? He wants his blankie, his giraffe, Star Wars blaster. There's no way I'm letting the um, the blankie and giraffe go out of the house because unless it's going to like my parents' house or my sister's house or someplace you know where I know where it's going, and I definitely write on the label I have my phone number on it because God forbid we lose that we are in so much trouble. And you can cut to my my blog in the archives called um, No. No Doggy Left Behind. Oh, Breadcrumbs. Sorry, Breadcrumbs was the title in the pro of the day. The day was No Doggy Left Behind. Um, so that, that, no, no, no. That's not going. But when he clutches on to his toy gun blaster and refuses to leave it behind and he's pitching a fit and I have to get him on the bus, I'll send it. Now, I put his name on it, but I'm also kind of okay if he loses it because, you know, it is a big, huge gun. And we're not talking just a little, like, handle point, like, water gun. I'm talking, like, a blaster. <laughs> it's half the size that he is. And when he's carrying it, he is packing heat. So, um, so yeah, so he went off to school with that. And I get a note home basically saying, no, 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 that is absolutely not permitted. Um, totally get why, but, and, you know, I wasn't really thinking of it in that way, but because of the zero tolerance policies, um, you know, all toy weapons, they, the schools feel that they may promote aggressive play, which they do not permit in school, and rightfully so. And if they do bring toy guns or toy weapons or toy knives or toy swords, they have the possibility of being suspended, even when what they're doing and running around and pretending to shoot and getting engaged with, you know, your buddy going off and shooting with you, and they could have a really good time, not really that appropriate in, in the schools or, um, or in the house. And that really got me thinking about this whole thing on, on another, another level because there have been children who have been suspended from schools for you know, what in their mind is, is probably harmless. You see this you see this on TV, this is what you do, this is how you play at home, this is I'm just playing with this this in school. You know, how harmful is my Star Wars toy blaster? I sleep with it every night. Um but it it is a, it is it's not it's not cool. And I can't tell you how many cases I remember reading in law school where accidents happen and people think they're being attacked by other people that have toy weapons and toy guns. And people can't tell the difference what's real and what's fake. So the concept of blurring the line between real and entertainment or made-up reality really gets blurred when you're talking about um, talking particularly about violence. And um, there's much debate out there about the causal effects between entertainment and aggressive behavior and, and violence, um, as, as well as the causal connection between um, entertainment and being couch potatoes, leading to people being morbidly obese. Now, I'm not going to get into the, the facts and figures about that kind of stuff because that's just not where I want to go with this other than to say to keep 
you know, keep your eyes out about what your kids are watching. Plenty of moms, and I'm also guilty about this on occasion, is that I will use television as a babysitter. If I have something to do, I know my kids will, you know, they may not sit still and they'll keep bothering me if, let's say, I, I need to go on to my radio show or whatever or do make a call with a client or whatever it is that you need to do. I need to, I don't know, go to the bathroom. How, how about that? Um, you know, whatever I need to do, that they will sit still and watch a movie if I put something on. My son will sit for Star Wars. So, um yeah, I will use it as a babysitter, and a lot of parents do that too. And a lot of parents are also concerned where people who are watching their children, whether it's professional caretakers or their parents or their family or friends, where they use that also as, as a not just a crutch. It's one thing where you have, like, your designated um, your designated airtime, your, your television time and media time, but it's quite another when the television is on all day long and that is all that your child is doing is sitting there and watching TV. Um, yeah, there's you know Nick Jr., which has wonderful content and, and has its motto where it's like preschool on TV, um, but there is a line where, where, where too much is just, it's just too much. And the responsibility to determine that line, guess who that falls on? Back to Mama. So, again, if you're listening and you want to call in, you have some comments and feedback, call in at 347-327-9450. I am going to now bring on oops, our special guest for today, Kathy Pagano, who Kathy has been on, on air before with us. I think she was on our second show called Starlight, Star Bright, and, um, and she, she's a real divine feminine master and speaks the language of, um, of mythology, of archetypal studies, and is an astrologer and dream interpreter and Jungian psychologist and just has a wonderful, interesting perspective on the world. The language she speaks is almost a forgotten language in terms of, of talking in, in mythical in mythical tones and references, which, by the way, entertainment is constantly um, drawing back and being inspired by the myth gods and by all these archetypal stories. So I really wanted to bring Kathy on today as another refresher and another perspective into this world of entertainment and our influence, as well as tuning into the what's happening astrologically this month so we can get an update. So, Kathy, are you here? Yes, I am. And you're loud. Hello? Yes, you're, you're Hello? a little... Yeah, Kath, can you hear me? Yeah, I can okay. hear you. Okay, you're, I think you're a little loud. My mom, was too, oh, okay. my mom was too soft, and I think you're a little loud. Okay, I'll put my, I'll put my um, phone down. Is that better? Uh, t- say something. Is that better? No, you're still way loud. Okay, then, then that's on your side. <laughs> then we're just screwed. <laughs> All right. Well, um, see if you can speak softly, which okay. I which I know is hard for you. I mean, most of most of my it's funny. Both of my dad and my mom were very soft spoken on the show, but most of my friends and family, including my parents, are not soft spoken people. We are very you know, loud, outspoken, and right out there. And in particular, my guest for next week, who's going to be Karen Oster of Oster Events, she's like my pseudo sister, and she is just loud and out there. So if you can just try and talk a little softly, because, um, again, I, my we're having sound issues with the show, and I'm trying to balance that out. But welcome back to Mama's Pearls, and I'm glad to have you back. Great, I'm glad to be back. Very interesting conversation. Although all my children are grown up now, I mean, a lot of those were the same issues I was trying to deal with in the 80s with them growing up, definitely. Um, So I want to make, I'd like to comment on something. You were talking about um, how movies or TV influences um, us. And, um, And you have to realize as a psychologist, 
um, what what we don't realize is that our major language, our sort of base language, is the imagination. So we think in in images, okay? And especially children do because they don't have the left brain um, capacities yet because they're still young. So the right brain is very creative and we think in images. It's the dream language. It's our original language. So when we fill their heads with violent images, that influences them. I know that this is sort of a, a topic that can be discussed and, and, and a lot of people, especially in the entertainment business, don't want to hear it. But as a psychologist, I can tell you that when you fill the the um, the psyche with violent images it gives rise to violent behavior. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm but on, so. on the flip side, you know, the flip side of this that I wanted to also put out there as a counterbalance. You know, I'm not bashing entertainment at all. I mean, again, it's my livelihood and I love it. Is that entertainment also has the capacity for profound positive effects? And Definitely. And one of the thing, one of the first movies that I remember that really, really stuck with me and completely just shattered my mold was The Color Purple. And that just dating back to when I was talking about, uh, and I think it was with you, talking about following our dreams and our childhood dreams. When I saw that movie, I was probably way, way, way too young to see that movie. And um, I just never knew I could feel like that and have my heart completely like, taken out and twisted apart and put back together again and have these, you know, this incredible tale of suffering and feeling that, really feeling that while I was watching that movie. And I remember walking out of there completely impacted and processing all of what I saw in that movie. And if you remember, it was with Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey was in it and Danny Glover and, um, you know, dealing with the abuse of that Oprah Winfrey, not Oprah Winfrey, but, well, hard too, but the abusive relationships in the South between um, owners and their slaves and also within the relationship between um, between Whoopi Goldberg's character. Right, between the husband and wife. And I was so affected by that. Now, that's not necessarily the, the most positive image, but it sent me on a pursuit to wanting to work, at, meet and work with Steven Spielberg. Um, right. And this, and Star Wars did the same for my husband, where he came out of that movie and he wanted to be an aerospace engineer and he went off and became a rocket scientist. So there's, um, then you have, you know, on the flip side, the Columbine incident where they saw movies with trench coats and murder and they go in and, you know, open fire in a school. So you have a broad spectrum of positive and negative influences. Um, Most and definitely. That, yeah, and yeah. that's just powerful. Can I just comment on that? You know, in yeah. all other cultures, the storyteller or the bard was very important. And it's really about what stories we choose to tell. And so if you have violence but in a context, that, like in a color purple, that makes mm -hmm. sense. I mean, we live in a society that in, you know, 200 years ago, the ministers in church used to tell their husbands, you know, and beat your wife with, you know, with, you can beat your wife to make her um, obey you. And um, so it's, it's the context. It's just the gratuitous violence that goes overboard that's almost too much for us to understand. It would be like Vikings coming in and raping and pillaging, you know, a village. You would be overwhelmed. Right. Um, you know, but within the context, it does open up your heart. And it does, you know, stories are there to teach. And um, and some stories are wonderful, and they do teach us things that we don't um, experience personally. Um, music does that too. I remember growing right. up in the sixties, and Carly Simon and Joni Mitchell, they would sing songs, and I would go, "Oh, is that what I'm feeling?" So they give you something. They enlarge your consciousness and your knowledge base if they're good. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm and that is the ultimate power of entertainment and why right. it's never ever going to go away it's going to keep completely evolve in the context in which it's expressed and the content and the context of how it's delivered and the landscape and we could do 
and we will talk about this more because you know entertainment is a broad range topic. It's it's again when I have my my main expertise in my professional world as an entertainment lawyer, so we'll have many more conversations about it. But um, what I really wanted to to draw upon with you and focus on was both again the imaginary stories that we come up from the archetypes as well as seeking into our own inner guidance and our own charts and using using that power of entertainment and the astrological influences to most positively benefit us. Right. Well, you know, first of all, I did want to comment on your mom saying that you were mm-hmm. hard. The fact she couldn't <laughs> Just a little bit. I was challenging. <laughs> but but she did say that she was the thinnest she's ever been. So, you know, positive and negative effects. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, and I was looking at your chart. You're a Scorpio with a Gemini moon, and um, you probably just, you know, could see right through everybody, and and you just talk, you just talked about it, and that probably was very <laughs> disruptive because families don't like to bring up things all the time, and when little kids do, I mean, children are so in touch with the imagination, and I guess one of the biggest things I would say is that um, we do glut ourselves on entertainment. If something's really beautiful, and you said it yourself, when you got out of the color purple, you processed it. What Mm -hmm. we do is we see something, we watch it, and then we don't give ourselves time to process the story. We go on to the next story. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the entertainment part gets a little, where it overloads us, I think. If we, if it's like a book, you know, the kids, all the kids want to hear the book, and they want to hear it over and over again, the same story. They want to get it. They want to integrate it. But when you give them a whole lot of different stories, it's they don't integrate it, so it just sort of skims the surface, don't you think? Right. Yeah, well, and I think that ties into the other underlying theme of Mama's Pearls is um, being engaged with your children. And the same is true when you're talking about imaginary play and you're talking about, you know, the stories. It's are you glossing over so they read the story, they finish their book, they could do their homework, you know, and, and to, you know, regurgitate um, the, the, the plots, or are they really getting engaged with the material? And if they are getting engaged in the material, what materials is that? Um, yeah, with I, the you know, when I was bringing up my kids, they had all the Star Wars the first time around, like your husband. And, um, you know, the, there's an archetype behind, so you know, everything that we do. And the archetype of the warrior is not going to go away. But what we have to do is we have to refresh it. We have to get it out of a stereotype and bring it up new and fresh. So when you're when Kobe, won, Kobe wants to be a warrior, part of it is, you know, is is how you as parents interact with that. Well, what does a warrior mean? What is the warrior going to fight for? Um, warriors don't go to school with their guns. It's school you learn. When you know, right. after yeah. you oops, you warrior. <laughs> now, because we take that away, um, that's just part of our human psyche. But it's how we use it. And our relationship to it—that's the important thing. Well, I can—I can tell you what the experience with Colby has inspired me to do is to look up to see if I can find a fencing class for him. Yeah. You know why not? Why not craft his, his Jedi Knight skills? You know, seriously. So um, that's one thing that I was looking when I said that. You know, of course, my husband chimed in and said, "Oh, I would love to do that with him. Do they have any daddy son classes?" <laughs> But it's true. Those are the yeah. type of things that those are the type of ways because then you see a warrior trains his body to react quickly. Okay, so a warrior is somebody who's totally in their body, who has it under their control, in a way. Okay, right. and and then has the strength and the skill. Now you have to think about well, what is a warrior for? The old god um, Mars, the Roman god Mars was the defender of the city, whereas the Greek god Ares sort of became just a wild, ravaging, you know, mortarer. So, you know, when you think of Luke and um, Han Solo and all the good guys in Star Wars, 
they're, they're, they, they train themselves to, to fly or to fight for a purpose, to defend their people. Um, and then the bad guys, of course, you know, you know, get trained to kill everybody and take everything. So, you know, you can, you can use everything, all these stories, to help your children open up to their values and what's important in life. Yeah, there's a um, couple of million different ways I want to go with this conversation. Um, and the one thing that you were saying, though, about keeping in touch with the imagination is that the imaginary magical world, which children tune into what's interesting to me and and speaking about sound i got my little niece in the background here she's always on the show um but you know what's what's amazing to me is that when they're younger the children are so tuned into that magical imaginary world um where they have their imaginary friends and some say that they can even see fairies and all these quote imaginary creatures where we sh- we wind up, we shut that down, but then through entertainment and other things where we're creating imaginary worlds, we, we really desperately try and bring that back and make that that imaginary world real in an imaginary concept. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know the trouble is that when you're fed something, it's about it's about how you interact with it. And mm-hmm. so one thing I heard, and I can't quote it because I heard it so long ago, is that TV is bad for your brain because it projects things out. It doesn't project. It throws some kind of electrons at you, and we can't process it, whereas watching it on a movie screen is different because they project the image. Um, so it's about how your brain integrates sort of the images that are important. But one of the things that's happened, I believe, in our society is that we've killed the imagination with too much. You know, right. once again, it's too much. Now, you can read a great book. I'm always reading books, and, and a lot of times I read fantasies. I'm reading a book called The Storyteller by Edward Myers. It's sort of a young adult book. I like to see what the kids are up to and what they're learning from. And it's about a storyteller who could tell stories because he said this is the truth and this is what you'll learn from it. And the evil king makes him tell lies. And to me, that's such a metaphor for the entertainment business sometimes. <laughs> because, you know, if they're, you know, they're always saying, we're in the business of entertainment. No, you, you're in the business of awakening us to things we need to know in an entertaining manner, like you were talking about. Well, here's what Walt, Walt, one of the things Walt Disney says. He says, Walt, or said, movies can and do have tremendous influence in shaping young lives in the realm of entertainment towards the ideals and objectives of normal adulthood. Yeah, because, you know, fairy tales are, 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 the, are, are the archetypes, and archetypes are how we are the sort of images of our instincts. So when you look at a fairy tale, it says this is, it sort of gives you a hint of how you heal some wound. So, you know, when you dream of, when you have a fairy tale that begins once there was a king or queen who longed for a child, and finally you had one like in Snow White, um, they're, they're saying there's trouble someplace. There's not a fertility. It's, it, there's no fertility there. And then this is what happens. The evil, you know, the witch comes and tries to kill off the new life, and this is how you get away from it. So, you know, he was right in that. Um, he did sort of, I think he sort of diluted a lot of it. But, you know, we learn from stories. If you were a Native American, the storyteller would sit around and tell you the stories. Um that would help you fit into the tribe, mm-hmm. right? Yes, so. and we talked about that. I think in, in, in the first show here I talked about how storytelling and, and passing down and passing down the stories was a vital survival method for basically yeah. teaching, you know, teaching and passing down the wisdom of, of the elders and your ancestors in terms of, um, interpreting the world around you and really, literally, are survival stories. Um, and when you say about about fairy tales, yeah, I mean the the ultimate thing about fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you. Is basically enter, ent- 
the medium of entertainment allows to take your fairy tale to the nth exponential degree. Like there is no limit to what you can do in the world of entertainment. There's no limit to what Angelina Jolie can do when she's in a, a stunt-filled, action-packed movie. You right. know, in the in the real world, well, she might be the anomaly because she is a powerhouse in herself. But, um, but you know, we are constantly setting structured limits around what we are physically capable to do in our our quote real world. Right. And that's can I segue um, into exactly. you know you were asking about this, the the um, astrological influences. We're in the sign of the sun is in the sign of Pisces, and that's the sign of the creative imagination. And um, this it, this weekend there's a full moon and it's in Pisces and then the moon is in Virgo opposite that and it's really about how do we bring our imaginations into the world in some kind of service and um, you know and, and and the thing that's most important is, I think in our society today is not to overload kids with too much TV or even um, even movies but you know, ha- give them the right amount, that balance you were talking about. When when your son watches Star Wars, afterwards talk about it, afterwards help him process it, and then help him use his imagination. You know, when he wants to kill all those soldiers, the clones or the machines or the Cylons or whoever they are, you know, part of it is you have to, you know, part of it is, we want to get out of this mechanized world view and come back into what's natural and and um, human, if you will, right? So how do you use the creative imagination in children? How do you play with that? How do you foster it so that they might have their imaginary friends who maybe they see and it's just we don't have the eyes anymore to see them, hmm. right? Hmm. And you yeah. want the kids to with their own stories because Hollywood repeats the same stories over and over again and that's okay but you know what where's the creativity in the children themselves when I lived in Zurich Switzerland when we were at the Young Institute my son uh, my oldest son was in kindergarten there and they had two years of kindergarten and they didn't teach them how to write when he went into first grade in the first month, they taught them the alphabet and how to write. But in kindergarten, it was all their imagination. It was walking in nature. It was drawing. It was coloring. It was music. And we, we hurt our children by pushing them into the left brain too early hmm. in our country. Because it's about, you know, if we can be in touch with our imagination, like Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Then when they're grown up, they can combine the rational side and the creative imagination, and then they'll be amazing. So this month is a good time to, to meditate and to play with your children more and maybe shut TV off and, and take this story further. Where, like when he's telling stories after he kills all the bad guys, what's the point? Where is he going? And he's not too young to do that with. Right, right. And um, I, I think it's a good a good kick in the butt to a lot of our listeners who may be writers or creative types or who've had that story in their mind where they haven't um, had the time or the interest to put it down on paper. This, this you're saying is basically the time to go ahead and put it down on paper. Um, just do it because the 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 forces are the force will be with you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you know, George worked with um, Joseph Campbell, the great mythologist, and um, why the, you know, even though the dialogue is awful, that's why the story, you know, hits us because it's true. There's a truth there, and well, um, but you yeah. have to process it. You can't just sort of, you know, eat it up like a, you know, a, a gallon of ice cream. You get a tummy ache. Right. I mean, the the over bombardment and the and the gluttonous, you know, that's that's got to stop. I mean, there are some days where literally it's just we have movie marathons and it's one thing after the other, um, you know. And thankfully, with Star Wars, I can watch, you know, fifty hours of Star Wars with all <laughs> all six movies and you know, hundred episodes of the Clone Wars if I really wanted to. So um, it's there. It's kind of like if it's there if you need it, if you want it. You don't always have to have it. Um, and what you're saying, you know, 
to engage my my children in understanding the stories, you know, that's one thing I noticed. When, you know, my friend Pam is really, really, I mean, she's really, like, on top of, of everything mom. And one of the things that I learned from her was when she's watching Dora the Explorer with her her daughter and her son, she will sit there and discuss, like, you know, everything that, that Dora is doing during the show. Um, and, you know, she does create an interactive dialogue, you know, and, and I, in seeing her, started picking that up and doing that more with, with my kids. Who's that? What's he doing? You know, one, so I, I, I try and see if they're understanding and following the context and the plot and who the characters are. Um, you know, Colby's at the point now when he, where he's seen a lot of these episodes a million times where he's calling out the scenes before it even comes on screen. Um, he, he knows it and he gets it and we'll get into the why and the what and the how and the where. Where yeah. is he? Look how pretty that is. Oh no, he destroyed the the tree. Where did it go? Um, you know, and again, like the, the scene in um, Kung Fu Panda where, where the uh, the wise master Ugwe, where he basically, um, he passes on and, and his, you see, like, basically the image of um, of cherry blossom petals culminating and flying up into the heavens. And when you were when you were on last, we were talking about, you know, the ancestors believed that, um, and, you know, great, great wisdom believed that when we die, we pass up into the stars. And that's basically the image that, that's shown on, on Kung Fu Panda. I don't know whether that's the intended image, but that's what I draw from it. So now, like, when, you know, things pass on, like, I was recently trying to, not trying to, but I was talking about my grandparents who passed away last year, and um, and we went over to their house to kind of, you know, pick up a few remaining items, and um, my son was like, well, where's Grandpa? That was not really, like, I knew I am going to have to address that question, but it's, you know, it's not like he attended the funeral, and it's not like, you know, he really got that concept yet. So he's like, oh, Grandpa's up in the sky with Master Ugwe and our snowman that melted a couple of weeks ago, and that's where you told me it went. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was really cute. We built, like, this huge snowman in the first snow, and then it got nice out, and it melted, and he's like, where's the snowman? I go, I don't know, Colby, where is it? He goes, went up into the sky. (laughs) The snowman lost went into the sky. Well, that's how stories, you know, can grow. It's yeah. really about letting them watch a story, and then, you know, you don't even have to ask them, especially when they're little, you don't want to get too rational with them, but then you could take them out of the TV, you know, away from the TV, and then right. have them make up a story on their own. It's right. just you want to create a muscle, a cre- an imaginative muscle, because if you just sit there and become a couch potato and just keep watching, you know, having them bombard you with their, with uh, their stories, then right. you don't, you know, your muscles don't work. So right. the, the whole thing, like you said, was balance. It's about, oh, this is a great story. Okay, how am I going to integrate that? Because what you want to do is help children, you know, if they want to be a hero, you have to help them, you know, with the images and say, well, what would Luke do or whoever it is right. that now that they, you know, look at. I'm still back in the old Star Wars trilogy. Right. Um, what would the hero do? What You know, Han Solo. Well, well, the interesting part about the, the Star Wars trilogy is that the Clone Wars focus and the new animated focuses on the story of Anakin. So Anakin's kind of the hero, and as we all know from the grown-ups who saw the last part of the series first, but then Anakin becomes Darth Vader. So he's really falling, you know, in love and in like with this character who I know goes bad. So it's right. a little interesting psychological twist <laughs> that I'm going to have to undo, <laughs> you know. Um, but you're not going to believe that we have a minute remaining. This time flew by. I don't know how much more time you have, and, and my sister keeps telling me that I should make the show a little bit longer. Um, if you have more time, maybe we'll roll over and try and pick up the conversation. Um, yeah, there you go. So I just yeah. want to um, close, close oh, out. Hmm? Yeah. It's yeah, your just, show. So thank you yeah. for having me on. Uh, absolutely. So I'm just going to wrap up this portion. If we want to pick up, I can just um, I'll call you. I'll call you back because I think it cuts off now after after an hour. 
So, um, again, we, we, I feel, just like even to skim the surface of this broad range of a, of a topic of conversation, and you were ab- absolutely the perfect person to have on and go through this process with me to and our listeners to introduce them again to this mystical, magical world. Um, if anybody wants to find Kathy, you can find her at www.wisdomofastrology.com, and um, and you can find me on Twitter at Sintweet. You can email me at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com. Um, you can find my blog at www.mamaspearls.blogspot.com. Or you can listen to any of the shows, including my past show with Kathy called Starlight, Star Bright, on the archives at Mama's Pearls, which is www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. I want to thank Mr. David Goldberg again for our amazing new Mama's Pearl theme song. I absolutely love it. And, Kathy, I'm not even going to get to ask you um, my my infamous questions, so I think we, we do have to record just a little bit more. So I'm going to say goodbye for now. This is Cynthia at Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your time and enjoy your children. <laughs> 